hey y'all how y'all doing and so yes um it is me it is i m dot adams y'all know i'm still playing around fooling around with this intro maybe i'll get it by season two but y'all gonna get what y'all get okay however you know i kind of like saying hey y'all i know that there's some other people out in this world publicly that say that as well but I mean, I like saying that. I've been saying that. I be saying that on my post. You know, I might entertain that. It comes a little natural to me. I don't know. But anyways, I I digress. Um, Today, on the Product of My Environment Squared podcast, this episode is titled, Who Am I to Judge? Now, I got to be honest with y'all, okay? When I decided and felt led and looked into and all those great, wonderful things to describe what I decided to do with the rebranding of the Listen Up and Let's Talk About It podcast and changing it to Product of My Environment Square podcast, I knew when I was going to be releasing it. I had said all along when I was going to be releasing it. I put a date out when I was going to be releasing it. And then I tried to rush releasing it because much like I did um, with Listen Up and Let's Talk About It, I get so passionate about certain things that happen, particularly that are usually talked about in the media and social media. And it's because some of the things hit true to me in my heart and things like that, but also because I'm in school to be a social worker. So it's like I make jokes sometimes and I don't take it lightly, but I don't want people to take it too seriously because I do practice um, methods of self-care. But I said all that to say there is no off button with this shit. Excuse my language is what I usually say. Uh, Social justice is a matter of ethical uh, expectation for social workers and so we're always talking about it so if I'm whether I'm in class or whether I'm at home um, or whether I reach out to people out and about through social media it still everything comes um, full circle for me sometimes and so I was trying to strike it while it was hot because it was just something that was going on. And so I'm looking right here and I was like, I have the date release five, nine. That was on Mother's Day. And but it was never intended for me to rebrand or relaunch the rebranding of product of my environment square before May 15th because I'm in school. I was in school and I knew I had a lot to do. So I was trying to push it up. And the reason why to that point is because of what happened and what was happening in the media around that time. A little bit before, it was when the Derek Chauvin, I I say his name wrong, I'm sure, but y'all know who I'm talking about, uh, guilty verdict came in for the George Floyd um, murder case or whatever the case may be. And also with that, um, that same exact day, in fact, um, Micaiah Bryant in, uh, I believe it's in Ohio, um, tragically lost her life at the hands of a public servant, um, police officer. Yeah. And so I put, I wanted to release that around then because I was trying to strike it when it was hot. Um, but you know, that ain't what it was supposed to be. And and, and God taxed me with that and let me know very quickly that I needed to stay with that. So here I am now. Um, I bring up Micaiah Bryant, not to clout chase. In fact, it's just the basis for the title of who am I to judge? I'm actually thankful that I waited a little bit longer to uh, not just release this, but to record this because since then so many other things have happened that are relevant to who am I to judge? So 
First and foremost, product of my environment squared is my baby. I often refer to all my projects as my baby. And if you know me, you know I often have lots of projects going on. I am the epitome of an open um, uh, web browser or computer or uh, phone that has 15 web browsers open at one time. And I'm going to get it done. I'm just learning how to prioritize and all that extra fancy stuff that my life coaches is teaching me and that God is revealing to me. So anyways, I said all that to say product of my environment squared is podcast. Man, this is my thing. I keep saying if I just get one listener, if I just get one listener and you know what? I ain't trying to, you know, brag or flex or nothing. I say this a little humbly, but, you know, I have been doing some marketing stuff. And so I had to go back into listen up and let's talk about it, which is still an active link. On Anchor, it's still an active podcast on Anchor. I just haven't released any new material since I think like around the beginning of the year, maybe around February or so, because I knew I was relaunching and rebranded. And so, you know, uh, listen up and let's talk about it. Still getting a little streams, y'all. Okay, I'm just saying. I was so excited. It was the last episode, of course, because people are only going to listen to the most recent one if they're not that interested. And I'm okay with that. And so, I believe that was the one um, we stumble, but we don't fall, or we fall but we don't quit uh, forgive me but uh yeah that one is uh it's got a couple of streams y'all I'm excited about that and so anyways part of my environment the specific name came about because I am very much and have always considered myself a product of my environment I wore that label uh and attached that label to myself Um, Even when I knew that people considered that to be something negative, I didn't care. And so that is how I lived my life for a very, very long time until at 21 years old. Well, I was 20 at the time, but by the time I had her, I was 21. I got pregnant and later gave birth to my first child and things in life started changing from that. But before that time, from 12 ish 13 ish till 20 I lived uh, a wild fun crazy 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 life okay when I was about 12 years old and forgive me give or take a few months um, somewhere around that time 12 12 and a half 13 eighth grade something like that because I remember I was not able to graduate for my eighth grade graduation and I remember they had to go get my mom from the uh, mental health or facility that she was in to bring her to the graduation for her to see and discover that only one out of two of her baby girls as she calls us was graduating because I didn't get to graduate because I had gotten to a fight at school. So I can't remember if I'm 12 or 13, 12 and a half ish or whatever. It's a little bit of a fog, um, but it's around eighth grade. Um, my mother got sick. She, <clears throat> I don't even know any other way to explain it other than just to say it. She, uh, my whole life, like I said, I, in the first episode, you're going to have to revert to season one, episode one, letter to my daddy. I met my dad for the first time when I was 17 years old. So for my whole entire life, all I knew and remember was my mother raising my sister and my brother and myself. She had the help of the village, very much embodied the village. St. Stephen's Christian School was the school and the church we went to. We went to church probably about five, six, seven days a week. I can't remember, but it seemed that way. And we also went to Christian school up until third grade. And then fourth grade, we went on into the uh, public school system and continued on into that. For, to the best of my memory, my mom worked and went to school. And I never knew or appreciated or even understood everything she went through until now as a mother. But 
she just did her thing. You know what I mean? She mom always did her thing. I don't know how she did her thing, but mama always made it happen. And she had a lot of assistance from the babysitter who I consider my grandmother. Her name is Miss Austin, and she has since passed away. And so Miss Austin and Reverend Austin and Bethel Baptist Church also were a part of my story and my environment growing up and things like that. And so uh, as we began to get a little bit older, my mom was still working and going to school. So Miss Austin would just pick us up from school and then take us back home. And so uh, one day, you know, my mom, my brother woke up. It was not abnormal for him to be just a little extra. We used to make jokes. I don't want to demasculate my brother. He's I believe he's very much of a man's man. But when we were kids, you know, sissy, la, la, cry, baby. He was mama's baby, you know, very much a mama's boy. And so we used to tease him. He was a little squeamish, you know, this and this and that, you know, love him to death, you know. And so I guess, you know, I gather from the story that my mother went in his room and was had a knife and was talking um, a little off about, you know, needing to end lives and, and things like that. And, you know, he was so scared. And he ran upstairs to the apartment manager who, ooh, Lord Jesus, that lady, I told you we was a part of the village. So she used to tell my mama everything we would do. We used to do so, so much stuff. And I ain't going to say her name, but she used to tell on us all the time. I couldn't stand it. Mind your business. Your grandkids down here running around with us, too. We all doing bad stuff. Mind your business, lady. Oh, man, she used to tell on us all the time. But for this particular night, my brother Marcus ran up to her house and told her what happened ambulance came things like that we were at miss patterson's house next thing i believe we were at miss austin's house next thing after that we were at my mother's sister's house uh my auntie deb's house or whatever the case may be and so anyways that began my uh what we would consider foster care my experience in foster care my siblings experience in foster care and again who am i to judge bringing it back to the whole micaiah bryant situation and so first and foremost before i even talk about her history because I really don't this is not about clout I do tend to relate um I consider myself an empath I am spiritually connected to a higher power I do uh believe that um Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior um you know and that he died on the cross for my sins and and all and all of that great wonderful stuff but I do um feel sometimes often tremendously um for other people and i also tend to relate to certain situations even if it's for things that i don't speak of and so i have to be careful now as i enter this new level in this new space because i'm used to having casual conversations and expressing to people um details of my life that lets them know why i relate to them i try not to do that as much anymore because i don't want to dim diminish and take away from it like i want you to know and understand that i empathize with you without you feeling like i'm only empathizing with you because i feel like i understand because i went through that or i know somebody that went through that like i'm not leading with that anymore so i'm going push back on the Micaiah Bryan. We just going to talk about Marissa Adams for a minute. We're not even going to talk about Marissa Adams. We're going to talk about Marissa Wilson. You understand what I'm saying? Product of my environment. All right. So 12 years old, mom gets sick. We go into foster care. Yada, 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 yada. Okay. So fast forward to, um, shoot, maybe I was about 15 years old. I was on, on high school number two. I started at Mount Miguel. I think I was there for the very first whole semester, you know, from like September to December, maybe January, but around springish, I got into a fight 
and you know they put me out you know I was already ditching and you know boosting and 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 doing things like that I wasn't doing things that I needed to do at that time I was no longer I had started living with my auntie Deb but um by the time that I'm referring to I had stopped living with my auntie Deb and reunited with my brother and my sister and we were living with my mother's friend um former co-worker uh CJ and so we I had to switch I had got kicked out of Mount Miguel for fighting and they put me in school with my sister and my brother at Lincoln High School and so um I really um hated that school um I I was not in a good space in my life but that's not to say that I imagine my experience would have been any greater um it's no shade to the school I know so many uh phenomenal people knowing love I've even known some people who are no longer living um from from that school from that neighborhood so it's no shade against that but from my personal level of comfortability and and what I would have preferred, I would have preferred no school because I was ditching school. Let's be clear. It didn't matter where you was going to put me at. I was going to ditch. But um, if I had to choose and I was like the best student ever, I would have told my mama, please don't send me to Lincoln High School. Please, mama, please don't send me there. I know, you know, it's our neighborhood school. In fact, when my mother got sick, we were living across the street from the school. We was living where the fire station is, you know, Willie James Jones Avenue. But, but we was living on Willie James Jones Avenue when it was called Ozark Street. You see, they changed Ozark Street to Willie James Jones Avenue because once you cross across Imperial on the other side of Ozark, Willie James Jones was a young man who got killed coming a uh, sports, I believe, an athlete from Lincoln High School who got killed. Um, coming home from a party, innocent bystander, a lot of life to live. And so they changed our street. Um, a couple years before I started attending Lincoln High School, when we were living in that community, they changed the name of our street from Ozark Street to Willie James Jones, I believe, Junior Avenue. And so I said all that to say, Lincoln High School just, you know, I was like, nah, you know, I've been in that environment already. You know, I ain't really um, feeling this, you know. It wasn't my first choice, and so I didn't have the the best experience. In fact, I make jokes all the time. You know, I don't. I, I'm transparent yet private, and so I make jokes. I laugh about it all the time. Honestly, I'm trying not to laugh about it right now because I want to stay focused. But you know, I got knocked out one time, <laughs> and people say that ain't nothing to be proud about. Why would you say that? People make jokes about it right now. People close to me they use that as like a joke, especially when I get all riled up and, and kind of lose myself sometimes they try and humble me like you remember that one time you got yeah I remember that time I got knocked out I bet you won't happen again <laughs> so anyways you know I was just full of hot air you know I had a lot of stuff going on people didn't know that I didn't I can't explain what's going on it's because I've gone to school it's become I've uh, developed a, a great understanding and intimate relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you know, and, you know, it's because I'm walking in my path and in my purpose and that I, again, my education as far as these social work classes on human behavior and social environment and all these technical terms that I don't want to lose y'all in, but are quite interesting and are also tied into the reason why this podcast is called Product of My Environment Squared. Okay. And so anyways, I'm just like, man, I was just going through a lot during that time. And so what actually happened I had already started carrying a knife before I got knocked out. 
You know, I need to emphasize that because sometimes that's what happens to a lot of people. A lot of people think they rough and they tough and then they get beat up. And the first thing they do is they want to go pick up a weapon, usually a gun in our neighborhoods. But people is getting stabbed nowadays, too. So, you know, we won't even assume it's a gun. So I want to emphasize that I was already carrying a knife, but I wasn't really using it. It was just one of them cool things to have so I could feel safe and I need to pull it out. You know, I would be walking home sometimes, you know, we was in foster care sometimes. So sometimes we didn't. We wasn't in foster care. We sometimes during this time we were in foster care. And so sometimes, you know, um, CJ wouldn't always. So I don't know what would happen. It would be some type of lapse or something. So we may not always get our bus pass at the beginning of the month. And so there'd be times when we got to wake up an extra hour early because now we got to walk to school. You know what I mean? And then me being who I was and living the way that I was living, I'm ditching school, you know, I'm in the mall stealing, you know, so I had started carrying things to make myself feel safer. And I had started using things to make myself feel safer as far as using a knife or whatever the case may be. But it was more of a like, I mean, I got it if I need it, but I hope I don't ever got to use it type of thing. But you let me pull it out so y'all can see that I that I got it. But anyway, so I was already carrying that in my um in my backpack. But I mean, let's be clear, I wasn't going to school to be trying to uh use it or nothing like that. You know, in fact, if I was in class at that time, it was probably because I didn't get the opportunity to ditch. I probably was going to get caught or something like that because I really wasn't going to school. I really didn't like school in general. And I really, really, um, really, really hated that school. So anyways, you know, I, like I said, I did get knocked out that time, you know, talking trash and I didn't think the girl was really going to do nothing, but she was trying to bully me. And I just got tired of her trying to bully me. And so I felt so good. I stand up, stood up to the girl and I, you know, she just kept running her mouth, kept running her mouth. And it had been going on for like months. And I had her for three classes. So it was like nonstop. And it's like, I mean, I ain't no punk, but I ain't really trying to fight you, but you really like, you really try me. And I felt she was trying to bully me. I really, really, to this day felt that way. So I didn't think she was going to do nothing. I didn't know this little girl be hanging out over on yonder and born and bred over in this neighborhood and all that. I mean, I grew up over here, but you know, mama didn't play them kind of games. I just had to learn how to fight just to learn how to fight. But this girl, she, she just must be, you know, she incredible Hulk or something. I don't know. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> I think I told this before on the listen up and let's talk about a podcast, but let me make it short so I can move on to me carrying these knives. Cause that's really what it's all about. But I, I crack up about this story about me getting knocked out at Lincoln high school. And so anyways, I felt like the girl was trying to bully me. She kept messing with me and stuff like that. And so she, um, she just kept just messing with me. So I remember it. I stood up and I said, excuse my language, bitch, run up or shut up. <laughs> oh lord jesus and uh she ran up (laughs) ran up so quick i was on the ground next thing i knew she hit me right in my temple bam dropped to the ground and now i know that you know that there's pressure points that you can hit on people um and you if you hit it in the right spot that is a natural response to the body because that's what happened to me and so you know um yeah, you know, so I'm a product of my environment. And so anyways, I was already carrying knives before then. And so now I'm definitely going to be carrying my knives after that. And so I, I moved to another school um, very shortly after that. And um, that was San Diego High School in downtown San Diego. And um, 
a lot of people don't know we were transitioning. We um, were at San Diego High School because I had went back to we, me, my sister, my brother had been reunited with my mother. And we went to go live in the homeless shelter, St. Vincent de Paul, right up the street from the 12th and Imperial Trolley Station. So a lot of people knew and came to know and see us often at that 12th and Imperial Trolley Station, not realizing that you know, everybody might be coming from school or it's a major transfer station right there, but we low key trying to duck and stuff. Make sure y'all don't go walk up the street by the bus station and catch the bus up there because we walking up the street to get, to go inside St. Vincent. That's right. You know, in front of the, um, the bus stop is right in front of, you know, that's what I was worried about. I didn't want nobody to know I was living in the homeless shelter. Cause you got to have a badge and everything to get up in there. And, you know, I just, you know, and, and it very much looks like a homeless shelter. <laughs> and so anyways, you know, 12th and Imperial, trolley station and things like that again living in a homeless shelter carrying knives you know being reunited with my kids went to send went I mean not my kids forgive me with my mother and my siblings we went to San Diego high well hmm you couldn't tell me nothing by the time I had got to San Diego high I was on my third high school uh I just really just didn't really care at that point I went to school when I wanted to um I did what I wanted to said what I wanted to and had the time of my life (laughs) made a few friends I'm sure quite as many if not triple enemies and a couple of frenemies in between and so uh I was just wild during that time and I bring that up because I grew up um fighting and I grew up fighting even in elementary school before my mom got sick. We, I was what people would consider a tomboy. And so um, if it wasn't tetherball, because, I mean, I would go whooping some ass at tetherball. If, and we would get into fist fights uh, behind tetherball out at Cannell Elementary. So if, you, if I wasn't playing tetherball, I was running around at, behind the dugouts and stuff like that. Not on some old nasty uh, fast stuff behind bushes and stuff tag and uh you know wrestling pushing shoving with the boys that's what I was doing and um I remember because a lot of people used to call me names um because they assumed even when I was young that because I was hanging out and wrestling and 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 stuff with the boys that I they was calling me a hoe and and stuff like that at a young age they start calling me that at like Oh, I don't even know, like probably like 10, 11, 12 years old. Fast is what they were saying it back then. And then when I got to high school, particularly Lincoln High School, another reason why I do not like Lincoln High School is because people were calling me a hoe, a rat, a this, a that. And I was a virgin at Lincoln High School. I had never even had any type of sexual intercourse. So I was running around with all these boys. And yeah, people were having sex, but I was not. And people were still calling me a hoe. And it wasn't like, oh, well, you was hanging out with whole friends. So that's what people were going to call you. No, that was just the assumption and what people were saying because I was always hanging out with the boys. So I said all that to say when I was at San Diego High, that was no different. I carried that out even at San Diego High, hanging out with all this boy. And I remember this boy that I was dating in particular. In fact, at that time, I was dating two boys to be if you want to keep it 100. And he was a, a basketball star. And so we would hang out up out the school after school or whatever the case may be and I was carrying um knife in my backpack at that time and so I used it was like a switchblade not really like a switchblade but you could open and close it but it was uh supposed to not be one of the ones that you could open and close so like a pocket knife more than a switchblade because switchblade you could just now you got to know you got to be a knife carrier you got to know I'm not promoting nothing but I'm just saying a switchblade is different than a razor or 
you know, a pocket knife. I'm just saying it. And maybe people who fish might be able to understand my analogy, but I'm just telling you there's to me, uh, there's different knives. So this one more like a pocket knife. So it shouldn't I have, I didn't expect it to open easily. So it's in the bottom of my backpack and he went to grab me by my backpack and he cut the whole inner palm of his hand. And it was like a deep cut, like white meat, deep cut, not enough to require stitches, but enough to where, you know, like, damn, Marissa, you need to be like a little bit more careful because I wasn't in no type of danger. I was just fooling around. And I honestly thought it was okay and safe in my backpack because I knew that, you know, it kind of closes all the way. So I must didn't close it all the way or something like that. So I said all that, you know, I low-key accidentally stabbed somebody, you know, on an accident, you know, through my backpack, you know, and having a knife in there. And so I said all that to say, to bring it back to who am I to judge and to bring it back to Micaiah Bryan. Um, I immediately empathized with that situation when that happened. Because one, I've been jumped before <laughs> for something that was beyond my control. Beyond my control. Um, two, because I was in foster care. And three, because I used to carry weapons. I mean, I used to walk and keep my keys, two sets of keys, and keep keys in between my fingers. I had learned how to put a razor blade in my cheek. I kept a knife in my backpack only because in my pocket my pants would be too tight I'm just gonna keep it all the way 100 you know I wasn't ever worried about oh I might get caught at school having this weapon it was like no my clothes is too tight and you be doing the most trying to be cute and flirtatious Marissa you gonna hurt yourself or you gonna get caught having these weapons at school so that wasn't the case why I didn't keep the weapons on person it was because I just my, my clothes was too tight and so um I um I automatically empathized with Micaiah Bryant. And so then I was like, first of all, I didn't understand the outrage at first. Hear me out now. Hear me out now. I understand that she was killed by a police officer. I understand some of that outrage. I didn't, the part of the video that I watched and made me not understand what was going on was before it got like super super intense and everybody started analyzing it when I caught wind usually I catch wind super early or super late um and so I don't know if it, which part of it it was in but the part of the video I saw was some girl fall down in the grass and kind of like tumble over in the grass she was running from where those cars was at and some boy that's standing there with some other girl standing next to him tries to kick that girl that's on the ground, if I'm not mistaken, in her face or somewhere on her person while she was on the ground. That's what I the first part of the video I saw. Now, again, I'm a product of my environment. OK, so I stopped watching what I consider murder porn on media outlets after George Floyd. I still have not and refuse to watch the whole entire Eight minute, nine minute, ten minute, however minute of it was. All I needed to see was the beginning because I had already heard about the end result. So I still have not watched the whole entire video and I will not watch the whole entire video of George Floyd. And so I just explained that to explain my perspective in the, the snippet of the video that I allowed myself to watch 
for Micaiah Bryant expecting to see, you know, a police officer who kills this young teenage girl. So that was the first part of the video. And I'm like, oh, my God, this dude is kicking this little girl like, wow, like this is crazy. And then my husband was like, no, you got to watch the whole video, this and this and that. So then I watched the part where other people ran out. The police officer gets out. I believe he says something. And then the girls are against the car. And, you know, the girl has the knife and, and she gets, um, you know, shot, you know, unfortunately. And then I hear the same gentleman and young lady that I referred to as far as kicking the girl and standing next to the boy or whatever the case may be. I hear them say, are you serious? And then I think the boy says, are you serious? And the girl says, y'all not going to help her, you know? And so that's what I recall as a part of the video of what I saw. And so I knew I couldn't um, rely on the uh, public, uh, the court of public opinion in that. And unfortunately, please don't hate me. But I do know that sometimes we as a community tend to take charge on matters and take up a flag on matters and uh, express grievances on matters that very well may be important to you if, according to your perspective, but it may not fit the narrative that people want to push. And so I try to be careful, but still be empathetic because the death at the police, at the hands of a police officer, no matter the situation is not, um, a comfortable or pretty situation. And then you start factoring in everything else that has happened and, and the genocide that's going on in our community as a result of uh, police officers who are quote unquote afraid for their life uh, you know it's hard not to you know do those in so I wanted to remove the filters and so I started reading about Micaiah Bryant on May 8th in fact it was a New York Times um, article I believe posted on May 8th or May 9th which was the reason why I was like oh I'm gonna release this on May 9th because I feel like I've enough time has passed I've vetted enough sources I could speak about it and not be just uh repeating gossip you know or misinformation and so uh what I read in this article and forgive me I don't know the author you know it says you know she had went two years back and forth in foster care and um I I enjoyed reading this article although there were parts of it that made me uncomfortable um because the emphasis was not on the situation that happened, but rather the system and as in the foster care system and, you know, whether and assessing whether or not they, they failed her. And so in reading the article, apparently, according to the source, it said that she had called the police about a month or so, actually 23 days prior. And she said, I need to get out of this foster home. And apparently she had been getting into fights or uh, disagreements or or problems or issues at that foster home and she was trying to get out of that that foster home is what I had heard and well read actually and um you know there's a statement in there about something that she said and I won't repeat it but you feel free to look it look it up um because I don't want to disparage her but I do I do not question whether it's valid or not but um you know there were instances where you know Things could have possibly been done to intercept or change, you know, that outcome to better serve this young lady. And so in this same article says, you know, Ohio places children in their foster care system at a rate that's 10 percent higher than the than the national average. And so um, it also said that um, 
when she made that phone call, she or that day of the incident, I'm sorry, not when she made the phone call 23 days prior. The day of the incident, the 911 call, it suggested that the girls that were there were there um, were people who used to live in that foster home. And so, uh, you know, I'm not here to negate the facts. I wasn't there. I don't know this family in particular, but I said all that to say around that same time, even before this, I have someone who I do love and cherish dearly who um, works with teens and, and I trust her heart. Um, she said, you know, my, her Facebook post was my stance on Micaiah Bryant. She should not have been shot and killed. The whole community failed her first before anyone else. I'm not accepting any arguments on my stance. Have a nice day. And that I remember reading that and really feeling like I feel the same way. And again, who am I to judge who deserves to die or not or what somebody should have done in that situation? Because the counter argument, which I always take into consideration, I don't want to dismiss was everybody's upset that Micaiah Bryant is is dead. And that's unfortunate. But that officer saved the life of whoever she was you know, she would have stabbed because she was in the act of, you know, thrusting a knife and, you know, police training. Apparently, although this has always been my argument, you know, why do you have to use lethal force for people with a knife? Um, However, they are trained and it's been tried and true that they gonna shoot you uh, unarmed, uh, definitely, but most definitely uh, armed. And it doesn't matter if you have a toy gun, a water gun, a finger gun, uh, stun gun. (laughs) I'm not trying to be funny. That's the reality of our situation. And, you know, so when people are, are, that was their argument. We know that that is what police are trained to do. Even if we remove my little, probably ill-fated humor, or, um, you know, we double down on the facts and the statistics behind it. We know that that is going to happen if they come on a scene with a suspect that has a weapon. Not always the case now. We do know that. It, we, it does disproportionately seem to be the outcome with blacks versus white suspects in certain situations. But it is what it is. And so I just remember at that time saying, Shit, excuse my language. 10, 15 years, no, longer than 10 years ago, because that's before I had my kids. So 16, 17, 18, 19 years ago, I could have been Micaiah Bryant. I can imagine in the, doing the things that I was doing at that time, that any given time, I, my life could have been lost at the hands of a police officer. And the community's response to that is, oh, well, she shouldn't have had no knife. I'm just going to sit there with that because that's what just what I came on here to say. You know, like I just could not imagine. I'm going to tell you another story. Like I got tons of story, like no lie. I lived a crazy, wild life. Some things I'm ashamed of, some things I'm embarrassed about, but I love some things I hate, some things I love, but I make no apologies for it. I lived a crazy, crazy life at once upon a time. Um, 
And so I, there was this one particular time and I had stayed up all night. Um, I had came back from the club. I was still high from the night before, drunk from the night before. It was eight o'clock in the morning. And I remember it was eight o'clock in the morning because I had to wait for the liquor store to open. And I was living in my sister's house up the street. Shoot, Kita was flexing before flexing was a flexing. Kita's not a flexer, but shoot, we went, Kita went from the homeless shelter to the townhouse up the street, baby. Like straight from that, like, and they never looked back. Like that's crazy. But yeah, so Kita was living up the street from the homeless shelter in some nice you know, upstairs, downstairs, town home. I mean, just nice, right off the free, like just nice, right up the street in downtown, right up the street from Petco Park, from the bus station, from St. Vincent de Paul, like, Woo, like, okay, and so anyways, I had got up 8 o'clock in the morning, I was going to the store to get some Remy Martin, okay? At that time, I ain't really like Remy Martin. I liked Remy Red, okay? And uh, I would only settle for Remy Martin if the Remy Red, he didn't have no more, but sometimes he would have, I guess what people would consider an A for Hennessy, or like the little small jars, I don't know, I don't, I'm, I have never, um, I've purchased Hennessy as a gift, but I've never consumed Hennessy. Um, but I always hear people refer to it as an eight. But I don't know. It was a little container of, of Remy Red that they would sell at the corner store. And so I went to the corner store and in my cup, I don't know if I was already drinking, but I had a cup. And I remember this cup because of this. I go in the store and it's this big, fat man. I, I'm not lying to you. 300 plus pound man like um, what's that big comedian that used to uh, big Bruce not probably not as big as big Bruce but he was big now you know and um, I'm extra but I try not to exaggerate so this is this is how I recall it but he was a big 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 guy and so uh, he said something to me and I found it disrespectful so I tried to laugh it off and then he said, I believe if I'm not mistaken, he called me on my name or he said something else that I consider disrespectful and reckless at that time. Now, you have to consider my state of mind. It wasn't easy for me to consider something disrespectful. I didn't have respect for authority and I did not have respect for men. And I grew up fighting men and fighting boys. And so to me, it was like, it's whatever. I'm going to fight whoever, whenever, win, lose or draw was my thing. So I remember still feeling disrespected by this gentleman. And I turned around and threw my drink in his face eight o'clock in the morning at the liquor store still on from last night and yeah threw the drink in this man's face now i ain't had no knife or nothing back then uh, at that time for this time i was just going to the corner store to go pick me up some drinks start my day you know just living just toxic you know and so when i threw the drink on him um this is where it gets blurry i don't know what happened but a fight somehow ensued i know my mentality after i got knocked out was to never let nobody swing on me so i'd imagine i might have swung on him first but he might have pushed me and so anyways we end up fighting in the liquor store me and this big dude and like i say i can't remember it's a blur i don't know he might have knocked me out too now that i think about it just kidding he didn't because they would have told me at the liquor store and so <laughs> <laughs> I remember getting hit. I remember having a white, a white beater on with no bra on and one of my white beater straps um, getting torn. I mean, like a real life fight in the street, like a crackhead. Now that I think about it, ooh, I should be so ashamed now that I think about it. But with this guy, with this guy, you know what I mean? And so I just couldn't imagine, again, I'm out in public acting a fool like this if someone would have called the police. And that day could have been my last day. Now, again, I did not have a weapon. So 
it, who's to say that would have been the case? But that is what I think about when I hear people say, oh, well, she shouldn't have had a knife. Oh, well, you shouldn't have been at the store, the liquor store, high as hell, uh, hungover, buying liquor at eight o'clock in the morning. Oh, well, she, you know, shouldn't have had that outfit on. Now she deserved to be raped. Like, oh, well, she shouldn't have been walking in that neighborhood at night. She, you know, oh, well, you know, I could sit up and think of all these different types of scenarios that tied into the response and my reaction to the response, rather, of what I perceive people were saying about the Micaiah Bryant situation. And that is why I had started off like, who am I to judge? But then I also want to stick that mirror while I'm looking at me. I want to take a mirror and turn another mirror towards whoever I asked that question and to ask you to ask yourself that who am I to judge or who are you to judge, you know? And so anyways, to get off of the whole Micaiah Bryant thing, you know, um, may her, um, soul um, rest and may her memory, um, be alive of, of the better days and things like that. I want to switch over to my boy, Kirk Franklin. And I think that was probably another reason why I wanted to do this around May 9th, because it, those were the things that were trending. Now, let me be clear. I'm not on this platform to discuss uh, gossip news or the latest or greatest. That's uh, I'm not a um, shade room blogging TMZ type of that's not what I do. That's not what I do in real life. And that's definitely not what I want my podcast to be about. However, if something is happening and it's relevant, we talking about product of my environment, product of your environment, product of our environments, you know, it might be relevant. So again, I'm going to tie in my boy, Kirk Franklin. Okay. So Kirk Franklin around this same time, a little bit before, uh, early, this was like mid to late April, maybe early April. So it's been a while now since then. And so, uh, you know, some video was released and he was, you know, saying some things that weren't becoming of a man of the cloth uh, to his son during a disagreement. Now, I didn't listen to the audio at all. So, I mean, I listened to the snippet where he said he was going to put his foot up his. That's it. That's so I don't have a point of reference, maybe not the best point of reference. Um, I just want to be honest with y'all about it. Like I'm very selective sometimes of what I listen to, especially if I know it's going to shift or alter my mood or my energy. And so sometimes I'll be feeling like I'm out of date or like I'm not in the loop, but it's because I shut off at one point and then I get back on or I hear it again. And I'm like, Oh, I didn't even know all that happened. So forgive me if this too is out of date, but I said all that to say, only listen to a snippet of it where he said what he said or whatever. And I, to me, I was like, that's not even a big deal. Um, then I started seeing the media outlets showing, you know, the video of him apologizing and things like that. Then I heard people, you know, saying that, you know, they had a toxic relationship. And then I seen other people talking about what the son was saying. I mean, I listened to morning radio. So even though I don't listen to the news or necessarily watch the news all day, every day, like I used to, um, I do listen to the morning radio. Steve Harvey morning show is one of my favorite shows. And then I often, I ain't gonna lie, flip between him and the breakfast club and even big boy radio, you know, they're all on at the same time or whatever. So a lot of times people are saying different things, but they provide different perspectives or different angles or whatever the case may be about the situation. And so I know a lot of people felt like he has said and did some things. And so I remember reading like so many comments on social media about it and hypocrisy and just how critical people were. And of course, I'm not going to go on social media and say this like this because 
Woo, Lord, it's too long to be writing in somebody's comments or make on a post. So I'm just going to say it right here on the podcast on who am I to judge. People were saying what they were saying about Kirk Franklin. And um, when I was asked, I didn't offer, freely offer up my opinion. Now, woohoo for growth there because I, 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 I will strike a nerve. I will offer up my opinion about certain things. But for the Kirk Franklin thing, I chose to, you know, put my little church finger up and just exit stage left on that one. And so... When I was asked about it um, by a couple of people that I trusted, I said this. Who am I to judge? My mama got a whole, excuse my language, whole ass mugshot because of me. Yes, because of me. Yes, okay? So let me tell you what happened, okay? My mom, like I said, you know, got sick when I was younger. So she's been diagnosed with a a mental illness. It's diagnosis has changed often. But the one that stands still is bipolar. And it's the best way that I know how to explain her condition and and relate and be able to, you know, deal and help with her and how we have dealt with it for over 20 years. And so um, I think it's closer to 25 years at this point. And so um, I said all that to say, um, after we got back with her, she would go through these stints where she would get real healthy. She would get an employment. She, she would not unemployment. She would get employment and not, not knocking unemployment, but that's not what I meant to say. She would get employment. My mama always kept a job and a car and a house. We always had a place to stay except for when we could not. And so, and the only time we could not was when she was sick. And so, um, She would get healthy, get these places, get these cars, get her a job, get us a spot. She would do good for like a year or two and then she'll stop taking her medication and then just drop. And we would lose everything because there's no longer no income. We were still minors, you know, things like that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so that is what happened with this case in this point. However, by this time, I think I was 17 going on 18. I might have been 18 because this is the apartment that she was living in, the studio apartment she was living in in North Park off of Adams Avenue um, when I met my father. So it was around the same time. So I might have been 17, maybe a little bit old, uh, older than that. And at the time, I was dating a young man that she did not um, like. She had tried to take him to court and accuse him of statutory rape because I was 15 dating him at 17 or 16, dating him at 18 or something like that. But we were in high school together. So I really didn't see anything wrong with it. And I was just like, lady, you're crazy. That's really how I was carrying my mom. I really had no respect for her because I didn't feel like I had to respect her because I'm like, you're freaking crazy, lady. Like, get out of here. You're a joke. You know, just disrespectful, just totally disrespectful. And so um, she told me not to be hanging out with this boy. She told me not to be staying out all night. And so she had um, took the gate key. And so she had already told me. So, you know, one thing about me, you know, being a tomboy as a kid, like my husband and my kids will tell you, I'm a hop a fence and I'm a hop in a window. Okay. I'm just saying. And so, (laughs) so, (laughs) so she took the gate key and I started hopping the fence and her friend was the manager of the complex. And so her friend start, you know, apparently according to my mom saying, you know, you need to tell your daughter to stop hopping the fence. You know what I mean? And so my mom was, she took the gate key and was like, don't you hop your ass over that fence either. Like, Oh, you basically want to be grown. I'm going to show you how to be grown. So I come home and I had stayed home out all night and I had came home. It had to be like nine or 10 o'clock in the morning and I hopped the gate to get in. 
And I went inside like everything was all cool. And my mom started talking kind of what I consider crazy, but in hindsight, probably checking me about, you know, staying out all night and hopping the gates and stuff and being with people she didn't want me to be around and being fast and and all that great stuff. And she would have been right because I was doing all of the above. And so um, she got to talking that stuff. And um, I said something to her um, and it must have been entirely disrespectful because my mother who's always been shorter than me, always been a woman of short stature, uh, Coca-Cola bottle, uh, more like a pear now, but just, you know, just, but in short stature, you know, and, um, she choked me up against the wall, choked me out, put her hands around my neck, pushed me up against the wall, like choked me like some WWE Stone Cold Austin type shit. And, um, I remember pushing her off of me. And I remember feeling awful still to this day, like, oh, my God, like I put my hands on my mama, like, oh, my God. Well, Rose must have thought, oh, my God, my daughter just put her hands on me because when I pushed her, she stepped back into the kitchen, opened up the drawer and pulled out a motherfucking knife. Excuse my language. And um, I was scared because I know my mama is crazy in real life. Okay, and so I called the police on my mama. Yes, I did. I don't know what I was expecting to happen, but I know I was scared of shit. This lady done choked me and. And now she got a knife. I, I don't got no reason to question whether Rose mean what she say in this moment right now. You know, so I'm calling the police. Get get this lady. Get, get, get her, you know. And so the police came. And when the police came, they tried to arrest her. And she assaulted the police officer. She bit another police officer. And I don't remember any of this, but I was told recently and reminded and told, again, I don't remember, that they had to basically, like, hogtie my mom and take her out of the apartment And then she was in the back of the police car kicking the windows and stuff like that until they transported her away. Um, Now, I don't remember that part, but what I do remember and I try to use, oh, and it still haunts me lightly. You know, I don't want people to read too much into my words, but it is something that I do think about. And I say that to say that um, when we went to go visit her at Las Colinas um, because they booked her. And I think I thought that they would not book her, you know, like you're crazy, you do bad stuff and they just like let you back out. Right. You know, my mom's not a criminal. My mom's never been at that point, never been to jail, never been arrested, never any of that. Like never like. And so, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, you know. And so we went to go visit her and um, she she said over the phone, why? She asked me, why are you here? This is all your fault. Why are you here? And I remember just breaking down, crying, crying for like two hours straight. We left immediately after I laid down across the back seat of the car and just cried, 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 because I just couldn't imagine like Marissa, you know, she got a point, you know, she's still kind of crazy because she was kind of talking kind of weird, like in those weird voices that you'd be seeing on movies and stuff. I ain't talking about no demon possessed shit, but I never suspected that. But I'm just saying her voice was a little weird. She was like, you know why are you here? You know, this is all your fault. And I'm like, Oh man. So anyways, um, you know, I cried and cried and and cried and cried and cried. And so when people ask me about, you know, the situation with, with, with Kirk Franklin, I'm like, shoot, I can't even speak on that again. Who am I to judge how somebody parents, I can have an opinion about it. I mean, I go to child development classes and now I go to social work classes and I've been working in this field for a long time. I could tell you, but I also was raised in the black church. I was raised around black family, black community, black traditions, black cultural things. You know, you know, some things work, some things don't. And then 
I was a whole ass teenager running around calling my mother with a diagnosed mental illness who was still providing for me. <laughs> hey, lady. <laughs> I wouldn't call her mama. When she was acting a little off, I would call her hey, lady. And I justified calling her that because it was like, well, she crazy. And Rose showed and Rose showed me that day just how crazy she was in real life. And that's why I don't play with my mama. I ain't played with her ever since. And I don't plan on it. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and just go ahead and wrap this up. I think y'all get the picture. <laughs> and everything I am today is because of everything I was not back in the day. And some of what I was back in the day. And what I felt like I needed but did not have. Maybe I didn't know how to articulate it. Maybe I didn't even know I needed it. Um, but I also have learned because I'm a product of my environment that I can't push off my opinion or views on people even when they do put their information on the internet apparently you just can't you know you you minding their business even if it's out on the internet excuse me uh, I didn't know that I just found that out you know <laughs> just kidding but um you also can't want more for others than they want for themselves and so I said all that to say this because again back to the front this was supposed to have been released before and some things have happened and I would never, ever, ever, ever personally use my platform or just personally as a person to ostracize or point out things or things like that. But I do often refer to experiences and conversations that I have. And so I said all that to say, ask yourself today, who am I to judge? And I say that because I point out there's been all this talk about PPP and before that it was unemployment and the stimulus and all of that. PPP is not synonymous for fraud and a difference of opinion is not always shade or judgment. You know what I mean? More of the story, my environment personally um, is different and, and has changed in comparison to people that I know or may not know. And to that same point, because my environment is different, um, my resources, my tools, my awareness, my knowledge, etc., excuse me, my experiences, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, are also different. So rather than judge, I just know my worth and pay attention to my worth. I mind my vibe because sometimes you could very well be the problem and I mind my business. You know what I mean? And, 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 and Because at the end of the day, who are any of us to judge? I despise the phrase only God can judge me. Well, duh, that's what my Bible say. Um, so it's no reason for me to be running around with that. But I, I, I implore and I challenge anybody within listening ear of this particular message to consider that question of who am I to judge and hopefully respond with interactions of caring um, and concern um, rather than judgment because the world definitely needs more love. And that's all I got for you today on this glorious Sunday. Y'all go be great. Enjoy your week. And come back and join me next week. I already know who I got coming on and everything. I'm just not going to announce So You're going to have to follow me on social media. Instagram product underscore squared. And the Facebook page is product of my environment. And then parentheses squared. Y'all be great. Thanks for the support. Keep listening. It's only getting better. <laughs>